Behind the Bite podcast is part of a network of podcasts that are good for the world. Check out podcasts like the Full of Shit podcast, After the First Marriage podcast, and Eating Recovery Academy over at practiceofthepractice.com backslash network. Welcome to Behind the Bite podcast. This podcast is about the real life struggles women face with food, body image, and weight. We're here to help heal, inspire, and create better, healthier lives. Welcome. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to the show. Can I just say that I love that you are all listening and sending me in your email and your questions. You know, I really, really do appreciate hearing from all of you. And there are several ways to reach out to me, but just as a reminder, I have just opened up a great new option for you to send me a voice message, and it's on SpeakPipe. So you can head over to the podcast website at BehindTheBitePodcast.com, and on the right-hand side of the homepage, there is a vertical link that will bring you right to it. Um, And this week, I want to say thank you to a listener, Matt Y., who's out there and he's listening, and thank you for writing in. He actually asked a question, which I want to answer this week. He asked if it's normal to fear having to face reality and things that come up like hurt, pain, and self-esteem issues if he stops his eating disorder behaviors. And, you know, Matt, what a great question. So, yes, it is absolutely normal. You know, your eating disorder is not something you just chose to have. It really has served an important purpose in your life probably helped you escape from or avoid feeling painful emotions or situations in your life. And, you know, I oftentimes will ask people who I work with, you know, how much of your day is spent thinking about or engaging in behaviors related related to your eating disorder? And I usually hear something like 80 or 90% when they first start treatment. That's a lot, you know, as and as the eating disorder thoughts and behaviors become less and less over time, they, you know, people do start to feel emotions and become more aware of things in their life that the eating disorder was distracting them from. And, you know, these can be very painful and difficult things. As this happens, the urge to engage in your eating disorder behaviors, they can be really strong. And so when this time happens, I really want to encourage any of you out there who maybe are, if you have experienced this or you are experiencing this now, Having a therapist or a supportive treatment team, as well as really supportive people in your life during recovery, can really help you to navigate ways to cope with and really manage times like this, especially when the urges to re-engage are occurring, because that's really key. All right, I hope that helps answer your question. Um, You know, just like with Matt, If any of you have questions, just reach out and I'll be sure to get them out here on the podcast. Okay, so now on to the show for today. Um, So the topic, dating. You know, there (laughs) it's a huge topic. And really, there are so many things we could discuss on here today about it. Um, It certainly is something that can bring up all sorts of emotions. And really, it can be so many things. It can be fun, exciting, stressful, disappointing, confusing. You know, I I could go on and on, but I really got to thinking, 
What is it about this topic that would be most relevant to my listeners out there? What is it like for somebody who has an eating disorder or who's struggling with body image issues to be dating? So that's exactly what we're going to discuss today. And I'm not here to do that alone. I'm really excited that the one and only Keandra Birnbaum is here with us today. She is a full-time social media manager by day and eating disorder recovery advocate and coach by night. She is passionate about eating disorder recovery after having recovered from anorexia nervosa, which took over 10 years of her life. She has a long background in marketing and social media and passionate about the pros and cons of this space. She has built her ED recovery Instagram flourish with Keandra to help others and really loves seeing the community blossom. Well, Keandra, I'm really excited for this topic because I think we don't talk about it enough. I don't know your thoughts on that, but do you talk often with people or is this something that I think is kind of under the radar? I think people are scared to talk about it because it's kind of taboo. Um, Obviously, with mental health and eating disorders, within the last, I suppose, five to 10 years, they have been become a lot more open and people have started to talk a lot more about them but I still think within romantic relationships or dating spheres it it's a very much unspoken topic and I think it's because people are scared to know where to start you know when you're talking about dating and when you're talking about relationships it's very much intimacy what you should be doing a lot of unwritten rules Mm-hmm. And that mental health is like a kind of a forgotten topic. Um, uh, and and that's why when I've talked about it with, I suppose, clients that I've worked with or or just with others to try and raise awareness, I've had so much, I suppose, positive comments because people have been like, wow, we don't talk about this. This is such useful information, um, which makes me think, do we talk about it enough? Um, and I don't know what your thoughts are on on that. Yeah, I, I think it comes up um, a lot too when I work with clients and I'd like to kind of get back a little bit to, to you know, your background and the kind of clients you do work with. Um, but I think it's it's something that people feel a lot of shame about and people don't want to bring up, especially in the context of, you know, intimate relationships. There's It's something they feel very ashamed of and they want to hide you know, from everybody, but especially from somebody, maybe they're just meeting and trying to impress on a date or, you know, it's just something that they even maybe want to hide from themselves. And so it's not something that, you know, they're out there going like, Hey, you know, I'm going to talk about how this is affecting my life right now in this context. It's more of a a very individualized thing talking about um, their more day-to-day, like, personal life and how, you know, their eating disorder thoughts are affecting them, um, their individual choices with, you know, them waking up and how they choose their entire day, like in terms of if they exercise or what they choose to eat, but um, the very specific part of, you know, dating and what that all entails. Um, I think we do need to talk about it because look, (laughs) when you, when you're dating somebody, a lot of the dates are going out to dinner. It's going out to grab something to eat. So um, it's very much, well, it's, I mean, that's part of it, but it's also like, what are you going to wear? You're trying to, you know, 
find clothes and that can oftentimes be very stressful. So there's a whole bunch of components, you know, and then you go down the line further. If you're getting intimate with somebody, body image and sex and all of this, it's very, very important to talk about. Definitely. Definitely. Um, and I, I mean, I suppose I have a background of, of eating disorders myself. Um, you know, I, I had um, anorexia for over 10 years of my life. And, you know, I know firsthand how it feels like to be dating with an eating disorder. And, and that's why now I'm recovered and I work with, with clients to coach them and help them with their recovery that I also want to guide them in such an important part of their life. Because a lot of these uh, women and men have are navigating their their romantic relationships, be that when they're just going into dating as a young age or even older in life when they're trying to navigate marriage, you know, kids and, and, and keeping intimacy alive, which, you know, is hard in itself if you don't have an eating disorder. So I think these conversations are integral to to you know to life you know relationships aren't everything but they're a very important Mm -hmm. aspect of life and 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 therefore recovery um so i i would say i mean to start off talking about the ways that eating disorders affect you know dating and, and relationships i think one of the biggest things for me is emotional health you know when you are depending on an eating disorder you know obviously we go to the the restrictive type where whereby you're not getting enough nutrition to be able to regulate your emotions you're low you're depressed it even impacts further down the line biology you know your 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 sex drive you know and then these are things that are you know important parts of relationship you know restrictive eating disorders affect everything you know not just emotionally but also biologically so a lot of the time when it comes to relationships, people don't want to have them. Or when they do, they're confused with their feelings and and maybe um, do they actually like this person or is it because they're restricted from nutrition that they don't know how to feel? Mm-hmm. On the other spectrum, you know, when you're looking at binge, purge, bulimia, you know, a lot of it comes down to secrecy and therefore secrecy within a relationship can affect one's mental well-being and emotional health because there's a feeling of guilt lying secrecy not being their true self so I think that's first and foremost what I think is one of the biggest components of it which therefore affects everything else you know your emotional health and your behavior kind of go hand in hand and I suppose following on from that it has such an impact on behavior. Like you said earlier on, you know, how many of us surround our dates by food? You know, they're they're the main component. Like Mm -hmm. I can imagine when you've dated, you know, you go out for dinner, you go out for pizza or you just Mm -hmm. have something where food is a big part of it. And whether you are a restrictive, have a restrictive eating disorder or on the bulimia, binge eating, any spectrum, there's a whole host it's going to affect you going out for food in one way or the other. And navigating that with an eating disorder can be incredibly hard when you're not being open with the person you're dating. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I don't, I don't know if you have anything to add to, to that 
I mean, there's a lot more that you, there is obviously a lot, lot more about that it affects dating, um, eating disorders, but these, these kind of couple of things, what are your opinions on that? Yeah. I love what you said about, you know, the secrecy part and not being your true self. Um, because how can you form intimate intimacy, you know, an emotional intimacy with somebody, if you're hiding this big part of yourself, um, and you have so much shame, I, I just love that you brought that up because, you know, think about that, you know, and I, I, I too, like you, I had my eating disorder for years and I wasn't even connected to myself, right. I wasn't being honest with myself about who I was or what I wanted or anything. And so, um, just in, in that, like, are you even ready to have a romantic, intimate relationship with somebody? If you're at the point where so much of your life is revolving around like hiding the things you're doing and um you know hiding those things even from yourself because what you're really doing with your eating disorder is you know you're avoiding a lot of your own feelings you're avoiding a lot of your own pain you're trying to numb out and so you know just from my own experience just until you really get to figuring out what's so painful or why the eating disorder is in your life and really you know, in my words, like breaking up with Ed per se, like you really can't have the space and the ability to have a true um, intimate relationship with another person. Um, and, you know, maybe somebody listening is going, oh, come on, like, <laughs> that's not right. But, um, you know, just really think about that. That's really difficult if you're not in a relationship already to start one when you are really knee deep in an eating disorder. Uh, there's a couple of things I'll draw upon from what you said it's like breaking up with Ed you know breaking up with your eating disorder it's like well you're kind of cheating on the person that you're seeing you know because it's like you're already in a relationship with this horrible eating disorder it's like an abusive relationship within you right. you know so and, and also the other aspect of I know what people always say and kind of cringe about but it's you can't have a relationship until you or you can't have a deep connected relationship until you fully love yourself. And this is why I want to stress is, yes, you can have relationships, but they might be very surface level. They might be abusive. You might be, you know, you might be throwing yourself in a fire because of the way you feel. Mm -hmm. And I can take that from experience, you know, like I had, I've had, you know, many relationships whilst I was ill and then they weren't good and they weren't fully connected. And, and hence I am not with those people now. You know, it only took, it took me getting to a point of actual true acceptance to be in a a healthy, connected, long-term relationship. And that being said, there are problems, you know, like within humans, there's not saying once you recover from your eating disorder, it's never going to be any problems with your relationship. You know, that would be, (laughs) that would be incredible, you know, but it is, it's about your ability to connect emotionally develops. And therefore, when you navigate through problems in relationship, relationships, you don't use your eating disorder to, number one, control that, or number two, take it out on yourself, mm-hmm. you know? And, and I think that that can be also, I suppose, an aspect that goes further down the line is once you're dating and if it doesn't go well, you then relapse or you say, oh, no, but it's my fault. Mm-hmm. It's because, you know, it's because of X, Y, and Z, you know, and then you use your eating disorder as a punishment set per se. So oh, yeah. it's so it, it's it's a very like tr- 
tricky line to navigate. That being said, you know, and, and again, it's something that we'll develop on, there is ways that partners can help within recovery. You know, you want to move along that line. So like, it's about patience as well. So talking about things like sex drive and and your biology. Right now, if you're dating somebody, it might not be the ideal. You know, you might you might not be having that intimate connection, but I suppose it's being able to support someone with their help. You know, so it's about the individual needs to get to a point where they're able to ask for help. The secrecy is the line that needs to be broken and drawn upon because with secrecy comes, you know, a a surface level relationship, guilt, shame, hiding their true self. So therefore recovery is even, it's not even an option, you know, because you're not letting somebody in. Um, And that's why I think dating somebody with an eating disorder is so hard if you've not truly accepted that you need help. Well, that's true. And, uh, you know, that's, you know, I I think there's two things to that. One, if you're dating somebody and they have no idea you have an eating disorder, a lot of the things that are going on in the relationship, they might go, what is going on? And so letting them in is really necessary. Like you said, you have to break the secrecy because, you know, let's say, you know, some of the behaviors that go on to the outside person, you know, the outside world might seem like, they might take it personally. So like you said, the intimacy, right? Like if you have an eating disorder, you're feeling really bad about your body and you're constantly like rejecting physical affection, right? Or you, um, you know, you if your eating disorder is that like, I have to make sure I work out like, you know, for this many hours a day or something. And like, you're not sleeping over the person's house because you have to make sure you get up at like four in the morning to go work out or something like, and they're not understanding. They're feeling like it's a rejection of them, but it's really your eating disorder behavior. Like if they don't understand and you're just doing these things and they're taking it as like, oh my gosh, like they don't like me, what's going on. You're acting like this certain way. Um, it is important to say, Hey, this is what's going on with me. This is why I'm doing these things. Um, because then there can be a level of understanding of like, Oh, this is part of your illness. This is what's going on. It's not me. (laughs) Right. Um, because like you said, to be able to support the person and say, okay, how, how can I help you work through this? Like, I really want to have a level of intimacy with you. Is there something I can do or say, or is there a way, you know, I can support you so that maybe you don't feel compelled to have to go do that every day. Or if you're feeling uncomfortable in your body or intimacy is hard, can we talk it through instead of you just rejecting me? And I don't know why, or there's, there's ways exactly like you said, for people to actually work together. If, if it's the right person, I think they'll be open to supporting you. Um, But again, it's up to you to open up and be vulnerable, which is scary. It's really scary. Yeah, and I, a couple of the clients that I've worked with quite recently have have expressed that feeling of of shame that they need help. You know, it's like, well, I don't feel. I wish I could just do it myself. I don't need any anyone's help. It's about taking. It's about allowing somebody in. You know, it's about like being vulnerable. Relationships about being vulnerable, and then adding another layer is just mind blowing to somebody with an eating disorder. But 
once you've taken off, I suppose, that plaster and, and told somebody that you're dating or even told somebody that you're already in a romantic relationship with, from the other side, what the individual, what the partner can do to help. I mean, there's there's five main things that I know that can help support somebody with an eating disorder if you are their partner. And I think the first being get help yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's very emotionally draining. You are confused. You know, you need that. You know, if, if let's say even if you're in the early stage of dating and you feel like you're being offloaded with somebody's issues and somebody's issues around food and mm-hmm. maybe navigating things and also that constant walking on eggshells that they're going to say something or do something wrong can put another layer of anxiety in the relationship. So I think first and foremost, it's, you know, make sure you're both getting individual help and not just using the relationship as the soundboard. Um, So I think that's the first thing. Secondly, it's about using positive language and that's not necessarily just positive language around food and body around. It's also around, I like I believe that you can recover I trust in you I give you like I have hope in this because I think so many individuals have expressed that real sadness when somebody's given up on them and saying Mm. I don't understand you you're never going to recover you know kind of that dismissive language people then close down Mm -hmm. Uh, and it's about using positive helpful compassionate language even if they don't understand you know like it, it's very hard to, for somebody to understand if they haven't really been through it themselves. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. You know, I, I understand that from my own perspective, like from the people that I was dating, you know, I expected them to understand it completely. I was like, why do you not understand this? It feels so real for me. Mm-hmm. As I got older and when I started develop, developing coping strategies and understanding myself, I was like, you know what? I don't even understand this. So why should you, you know? So I think there's ways that, that you can talk and, and, and use compassionate language. And that moves on to then learning about eating disorders. So that would be the third thing. It's about learning about your loved one's eating disorder, whatever it be. You know, you even go to the spectrums of, spectrums of, of ARFID. You know, there's, there's so many different types and, and they all, all have such specific requirements and symptoms that you can spot for you know let's say let's use the example of a restrictive eating disorder if you notice that you know the person you're dating or your loved one is starting to be secretive around food is starting to be you know a bit sketchy about when they've eaten or what they're going to eat you can then start to kind of put things in place to to help them open up so if you learn and know everything about an eating disorder it can give you a good grounding for helping your, your partner or the person you're dating um and not enough people do it okay. um, I don't know about your experience when you were you know you were unwell but but I can imagine that you've experienced some times where people have just not understood oh my gosh and and I think that is that is so key because like you said people don't understand it and it is a little bit you know for somebody who doesn't have one they just like wait how is that that triggering what I just said or what I did? So really understanding some of the nuances of like when you make a comment on what somebody's eating, um, especially at like at a restaurant or something, that can be very triggering. And, you know, understanding maybe the person you're dating like stops eating or gets really quiet. Um, 
Or if you say something like, wow, you look really healthy, you know, that can be a really big trigger. And, you know, to the outside person, that sounds insane. <laughs> like, why is that like a trigger that that's a compliment, but to somebody with an eating disorder, like I know myself, I was like, oh my gosh, if somebody said that I was in a tailspin or, um, you know, like to your point, if you notice, like every time you go out to eat, then they are in the restaurant restroom for like a little bit longer than normal. That could be a sign. Like, what are they doing in there? Um, if they're, you know purging or something, or just again, noticing some little behaviors, like, are they really eating what's on their plate? Are they just cutting it up and like moving it around their plate? You know, (laughs) again, just little behaviors, but also learning, like I said, the things that maybe their trigger words or things that you say just to be sensitive about, because I think there's a lot of words that people say that they think nothing about, but you know, talking about diets, talking about weight loss, talking about other people's appearances, all that kind of stuff can be really hard for somebody when they have an eating disorder to hear. I think there's an aspect of that of the actual individual with an eating disorder needs to be open enough to tell their partner what affects them. Because, you know, like your partner's not a mind reader, you know, like it, and what might affect me might not affect you, you know, like it's in, in each disorder is very individual. I'd say you can definitely get a good grounding from, you know, pages like ours on Instagram or like helpful information charities and just the internet in general, when you look in the right places, very helpful information, but actually talking to your loved one being like, you can talk to me. I'm not going to judge you. Please let me know what you need and how I can support you those words about like I suppose it's that's about that's be my fourth thing it's starting that conversation mm-hmm. you know having that open co- communication of you know I'm really struggling today can we like go out to a safe place to eat or can we just do something else or or can you help me or you know can we just talk about this and having that open communication there and that trust is the bedrock for a relationship and without that you're kind of destined to fail you know because you need Communication is the the key to any successful long-term relationship, especially if you're recovering from an eating disorder. Oh, I think that's exactly. And I think that's a big part of it too is, you know, I work with clients too and I tell them, you know, one big part I think is getting your voice back is being able to tell your loved ones or especially maybe somebody you're dating, hey, these are the things that impact me. These are the things that really affect me. Um, and that's a hard thing to be assertive and to open up and ask for what you need or really say, even have that awareness. Oh my gosh, this is, this is how this word or these situations or whatever affect me. Could you please, you know, try to be sensitive or aware of these things. That's a huge step in being able to communicate that I think in getting better. Um, and then to be with a really loving supportive partner who acknowledges that and does something to support you in that I think that's amazing that would be amazing right um but I think to you know to have a loving supportive partner again if you're able to communicate that to them and say these are my triggers so to say um they can really support you out in you know public events or parties or situations where let's say they know oh gosh you know whenever diet talk comes up or weight loss talk comes up or t- people start talking about calories or food like let's say at thanksgiving dinner say 
maybe they can be your support person. Maybe you don't have the strength to do it in a big group, but maybe they can try to like veer the conversation another way, knowing like, oh gosh, here we go. Like this is this is really going to be hard for you, right? Like, okay, I'm going to be here to try to protect and support you. And like, hey guys, let's talk about something else or try to get you out of that situation if it's possible. Definitely. I think there is there is so much more that can be done by individuals and by awareness to help bring, you know, knowledge to people about this. You know, these are very unspoken unspoken topics but there is certainly things you can do and and this information doesn't just apply to romantic relationships you know a lot of it applies to friendships as well you know making friendships so it's you know I suppose with with friendships there's that lack of intimacy there so there's one one step removed but there is still the thing about open communication understanding eating disorders a lot of this information is you know can can apply Mm -hmm. can apply to workplaces can apply to family friends you know so I think this is valid and very useful tools that people can take and go, okay, I can use this. And even if you're not with somebody with an eating disorder or or I suppose any mental health condition, you know, it's very useful to understand because you might be, you might be supporting somebody with an eating disorder in the future. So it's about arming yourself with knowledge and tools to help yourself and to help others, I think is really, really important. Um, and it, it just ch- takes a little bit of, I suppose, self-awareness and, and ability to to ask for help as well as 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 a person without an eating disorder you know a partner being like I need help too you know and that's also they have to be vulnerable they may have their egos up and go I can do this myself you know I don't need anyone you know mm-hmm. and I, I take that from experience it's like but then they can take it out on you so it, it's it's about making sure that everyone has the support and the knowledge that they they need I think Right. Absolutely. And so um, did you get to the five? I know you said the four. The communication. Yeah, the last one, the fifth one is about, I suppose, showering them with love. Mm. I think, you know, again, it links to a lot of it, but love and love doesn't necessarily have to be romantic love. But, you know, love the love rules the world. And we, we all have mm. that. We all need a bit of love and compassion and support and, and feeling like somebody cares, you know, and that can be again, romantic or non-romantic relationships, mm-hmm. just that knowing they're not going to leave me because I'm not average. I'm not normal. I'm struggling. They're, they're going to still love me no matter what. And it's also knowing that somebody will love you no matter what you look like. I think that's very important for an individual to know because if you don't, if you have that expectation or that, I suppose, yeah, that exacting love is like, oh, I only love you if, you know, I only love you if you look a certain way or I only love you like this. People can feel very restrictive and it can fuel or keep an eating disorder there. So it's about, if at all possible, try and remove that expectation around appearance, around weight, around eating styles. Um, that that Those five are very, are very, very important. So it's all about communication and conversations, love, getting help yourself, mm-hmm. support, and and just being able to kind of, yeah, gu- guide each other through it. I think it's really important. Yeah, no, I, I love those five. <laughs> so I, I, 
I think, you know, I love that you're talking about like both partners parts and in what they can do when they're in a relationship with each other, because I think there can be this tendency to just put all of the focus on the person who has the eating disorder. Like, what do they need to do? What's their part? Like, and it just go both ways. hundred percent. That's a relationship for you. If it was, you know, that otherwise you have that codependency mm-hmm. that, you know, the feelings of reliance or that, you know, it okay the person with the eat sort of that they they have a, a real issue that needs to be solved and mm-hmm. but it comes from both parties you know like somebody has to take responsibility for their own issues but the other person also has to take responsibility by the way that they act on those issues right and so, yeah so I, I'm curious for you like looking back at those times where you were dating and um you had your eating disorder. Did anybody pick up on anything or was it just something you kept hidden? I think I was always very much like, oh, I had an eating disorder. I'm recovered now. Mm. But I wasn't, you know, and I think I'd put this like front on. But I'm recovered. I'm out of hospital. Everything's fine. But they always would know that I was a little bit odd around food. Mm. And I just made it, you know, I was very secretive. I didn't spend a lot of time with my my intimate partners. I'd be like, just just doing doing things and then leaving because I needed to, you know, go and eat or I needed to exercise or I needed to do my special routine, whatever I had back then, God knows. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the only reason that I'm in a successful, healthy, long-term relationship now is because I actually have got to a point where I can call myself recovered and I navigate things with a healthy mind. You know, it's taken time. It's taken years and it's taken mm-hmm. me being honest with myself and, and really looking at myself in the mirror and going, yeah, you're not recovered. Mm-hmm. No, yourself, you know, but that was hard and I had to be vulnerable and it all comes down to your strength in asking for help and knowing that recovery is a journey and it's not a race. Right. And so are relationships. They're they're not races, they're journeys. And if you can support each other on that journey, it will be a very long, happy and loving one. No, that's amazing. And I'm so glad for you. Thank you for sharing that. I'm so glad for you. You were able to get to that point and, you know, really connect with somebody and have something long-term and successful. Um, what about yourself? What, what are your own experiences, you know, um, navigating relationships with with your eating disorder yeah I think I hid you know when I was much younger obviously um I I hid so many things there wasn't a lot known about eating disorders really and so I didn't even know a lot about what I was doing myself I just thought I was failing at dieting so I didn't even know you know for the longest time I just was like oh I'm trying a new diet um I need to go work out uh I didn't really have even a label for it. I didn't know how really sick I was for the longest time. So, you know, looking back, obviously I was in it. Um, but yeah, it impacted everything. My goodness. Like I didn't even really know myself. So I was, like you said, a lot of my life revolved around the rituals and the routines and the things I had to do. And so, you know, if my whole world revolved around that, like how could I possibly create a life with somebody else? <laughs> Like they weren't going to fit into my eating disorder life, right? It was just not going to work. Yeah, they weren't a component in the relationship. It was mm-hmm. your eating disorder or no one. 
Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it was exhausting, right? Trying to fit. It was the people pleasing. I was trying to please them. I was trying to please the eating disorder. I was like trying to be everything to everybody. And in my mind, I was just failing at everything. Right. So Ed was just like telling me, you're not good enough. You're not doing this enough. Awful. I mean, I think back and I'm like, oh my gosh, how exhausting. Yeah. And you wouldn't push it on anyone, but you know, we're two examples that you can move through that and you can navigate through that. And I'm sure it's taken you jumping over hurdles and ducking under things and just looking at yourself in the mirror and going, okay, I need to deal with this or I need to navigate this better and, and asking for help. So, you know, thank you for also sharing your, your side. You know, it's, we've both got similar experiences, Mm -hmm. but, you know, probably wildly different at the same time. Yeah. I'm just, you know, I think back to like how many times I dreaded like, oh gosh, where are we going to eat? I don't know what's on the menu. (laughs) You know, it just would be a nightmare. It'd be so scary sometimes or like so many things I think back to and just think, gosh, you know, that is, that was very stressful. So much of it. Or gosh, like is something going to fit tonight? Like going and getting dressed. It's like, what am I going to wear? And trying on like 20 different outfits, (laughs) just so much stress and pressure. So much, too much. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's for anyone listening, you know, it's recovery is well worth uh, the journey. Like you said, it's not a direct shot to like, it's not fast and it's, you know, not this linear, you know, once you decide I'm going to recover, it's not like, okay, in, you know, five sessions or five weeks, it's over. It's, it is a journey, but it's so well worth it so worth it and it's it's being patient with it and allowing yourself to to fall and and pick yourself up again mm-hmm. and, and and your partner your or who you're dating can be a, an element in that um if they're if they're willing to also learn and support you and help to pick you up as well mm-hmm. and and a note to that if they aren't willing to that's very telling as well. And don't blame yourself and say, oh, it's me. I shouldn't have said anything. I'm, you know, damaged. You know, it is. I'm not good enough. They left me because I told them. No, if anyone gets in your way of recovery and they leave you because you open up and you're vulnerable and you choose yourself and you choose recovery, that's not your person. Yeah. You know, uh, the people you want in your life, the people that will support you in the hardest times. And then there'll be hard times not related to your eating disorder. That's mm-hmm. just life. And you want somebody that you can trust at your most vulnerable times and, and your, you know, yeah, your weakest times that you can be vulnerable and ask for help. And if somebody's not showing signs that they're willing to do that, then maybe you should just have a think about the the people that you want in your life. And that goes for friendships as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, um, I know I really appreciate, like I said, you opening up and sharing these things. I think they're great. It's great information for people out there. I think lots of people listening probably can definitely relate. Um, You know, people are trying to form relationships and probably out there dating and struggling. Um, Any, do you have any final words or anything you want to say? I think it's okay to not be okay as well. It's not going to be it's not going to be a straight line and when you're dating it might feel really scary but you know there are there are resources out there we we've talked about it on on our on this podcast and and I'm sure like we can both you know be open to speaking through like social media dms and and just 
you know support in general if you have any you know, further questions on this topic and it's there's i'm sure that there's a lot of things that we haven't covered it's such a broad spectrum but you know the information shared today was as concise and 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 i hope you know that you've got got something from it and, and good luck their relationships can be the most beautiful things in the world so you know i hope that you are able to flourish both physically mentally and romantically mm-hmm. in the coming in the coming future yeah. so yeah thank you so much for for you know, I suppose giving me the opportunity to talk with you today about this topic, I think it's been really, it's been really nice to being able to share it. So thank you. Yeah, thank you. I, you know, love talking to you about this topic. And I know it was a long time us uh, trying to get together to make this happen. So, um, you know, for my listeners, if anyone does want to find you and learn more about all the work you're doing, how can they find you? Um, so you can find me um, on Instagram at Flourish with Keandra. And my website, again, is flourishwithkeandra.com. Um, I'm sure you'll be able to leave kind of my details in the show notes. Absolutely. If not, um, yeah, you can find me there. I have a lot of infographics about these kind of topics. So, you know, um, if, if you are interested, it would be amazing, you know, to, for you to check them out. Likewise, you have such good information on, on your Instagram and social media and website too. Christina so yeah we've got a whole host of information out there for you guys um so yeah thank you again thank you this podcast is designed to provide accurate and authoritative information in regards to the subject matter covered it is given with the understanding that neither the host the publisher or the guests are rendering legal, accounting, clinical, or any other professional information. If you want a professional, you should find one.